Okay, so this morning, um, this day, is, is for on the common sins of the heart. <clears throat> and last time we were on a common sins of the heart, it was on pride. <clears throat> and it's only going to get better. And we're moving to anger uh, this morning, okay? So, uh, very common sin here So uh, uh, of our hearts. And, and just a couple sayings here real quick as we, as we get started. Uh, someone said, my boss asked me to take an anger management class this year. I told him I'm angry enough with management as it is. I probably heard that before. You probably <clears throat> felt that like you wanted to say that before. Or there's something like this as well. I, I'm sure none of us are guilty of this. Um, quote, I'd be able to manage my anger if people manage their stupidity. Right? <clears throat> But then there was once a, a lady who came, came to Billy Sunday and attempted to rationalize, rationalize her anger outbursts. And she came in to Billy and, and said, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper. I blow up and then it's all over. Mr. Sunday replied, so does a shotgun and look at the damage it leaves behind. Right? So, so gentlemen, <laughs> one, none of us this morning can say, I'm a stranger to anger, right? None of us can, can say that. Um, we've all known it. We've felt it. We've expressed it. And it seems to be one of the easiest sins to justify and make excuses for in our lives. So with that, we're going to look just briefly at a couple things this morning, at the definition of it, at the identification of it, the examination of it, examining our hearts, and looking at the process of transformation through it, okay? I want the, this to be as brief as, as possible, uh, especially for, um, and especially if we're not awake yet, uh, an exercise that we're going to do uh, together this morning, okay? So first off, the definition. And you have this in your notes. You should have everything there. Um, there's a couple separate sheets of paper there um, as well, and a, and a half piece. But our definition, and I love this definition by Robert Jones. By the way, this comes from Uprooting Anger, a biblical help for a common problem. This is an excellent resource. Some of um, my notes here are from, from this book, Uprooting Anger. If you want one of these, these are in our, our bookstore as well. Okay, But this is from Robert Jones as definition. Quote, <clears throat> anger is a whole personed active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. Okay, now that, that's a mouthful, so let's just briefly unpack that, okay? It's an active response, okay? That is, it's something we do. It, it's not something we have, okay? It's not, a, it's not a thing or a fluid or a force. It's something we do. Now, you might be able to say, well, I, I'm just an angry person. Well, the thing with that is, is when things are going well for you, you're not an angry person, right? So it is something that you do. It is an active response. Also, it's whole person. What do you mean by that? It means it involves our beliefs. It involves our motives, our perceptions, again, our desires. It's, it's more than just emotion and behavior. Okay, it, it goes beyond that. It's anger, just like every sin we could say, is, is complex, okay? It involves the whole person, and, and it encompasses our whole package of, of beliefs, of feelings, of actions, and desires. 
And also, our anger is a negative moral judgment in the courtroom of our heart, right? It is a judgment that we make, right? Our anger is a response against something. It, it reacts to provocation. And it's like, you know, it, if something that's interrupted our, our will that's being done in that moment or in that season, it's interrupting us. Um, even, even our good plans, right? And our good desires right? can, can easily bring about <clears throat> wrath, right? Even if we have these good desires that should be done, that we want to get done. <sighs> How's this for a couple of, of real life examples, okay? I'm on my way to a counseling appointment and I get rear-ended on 377, I clean the house for company, and then the dog runs in with muddy paws. The hot water heater and the dishwasher breaks in the same day. Okay, all this has happened in the same day. Uh, And one of my children interrupted me for the third time in the middle of my preparation of this lesson on anger. Right? I I had all good desires in these situations, right? What's going on? Well, it involves that entire definition as far as my response to something interrupting my desire, my will. And we see here in your notes, there are two kinds of anger in the Bible, righteous and unrighteous, right? Righteous anger is provoked for holy reasons. It's when one is consumed with the desire for righteousness or God's will and honor. This is righteous anger. And and the good thing is, is it's possible for Christians to have righteous anger. We're, We're actually commanded in Ephesians 4 to be angry and yet not sin, right? So it's possible. Um, think of Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 29, where Paul was angry about those being led into sin. He had a righteous anger. Okay. Um, Psalm 711, we see here, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. So righteous anger does not think of self and is in complete control. And and it is quite amazing. I've had this conversation multiple times in the past couple weeks with people of how our righteous anger can so instantaneously, so easily become unrighteous anger. (laughs) instantaneously. We're going well, but something sets us off and it immediately becomes unrighteous. So righteous anger doesn't think of self and it's in complete control. So unrighteous anger we see here is is (laughs) ungodly and it reveals itself in many different ways. Look at Proverbs 15, 28 there. The heart of the righteous, they ponder how to answer. Right? In that moment, in that situation, in that conversation. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Let's it go. Let's it run wild. So here are just a, some of, of the, the common evidences of, of unrighteous anger. And I think you gentlemen can, can help me maybe fill out this list a little bit more here. Expressed. We see it expressed and repressed or vented anger for repressed, okay? 
some of these uh, outward that we see real easily, yelling, screaming, slamming things around, cursing, telling someone off, name-calling, hitting. If you'd like to add to that list. Get it off your chest. Get it off your chest. There you go. Let it all go. Let it all go. Yep. Anything else that, 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 that could be expressed or it's, it's that outward showing of, of vented anger? I'm not asking us to write a script or to do anything like, like that this, this morning, but you get the idea of what expressed unrighteous anger looks like. Then there's repressed. Okay. This might fall into the camp of, of some of us as well, or it's a slow burn. We clamming up, moodiness, ignoring, being frustrated, irritated, disgusted, glaring, and we could even go into to huffing and snorting. Okay, <laughs> um, it, it's true, right? It, it it's just true. What's that? It's very true. So so we have these two two categories. It's expressed. And it's repressed. But what is the new creation in the business of doing? Well, just briefly, Colossians 3.8 says, But now you also put them all aside. This is very much like Ephesians 4. Cast off, throw it away, get rid of it. But now you also put them all aside. And look at the, look at the, the clump that, that, that says it all. Put it aside. Anger, wrath malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. We could go on and on as far as the definition goes, but here's the thing. We all get it. (laughs) We know what anger is. So let's move on, though, a little bit further to identification. Let's identify this more as far as its origin. This should be in your notes. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? comes from the flesh, Galatians 5, 19 to 20. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Then here's another clump that says it all. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, he goes on. And then Paul even in that text, he says, and things like these. (laughs) Just keep going on. A couple of points here in identifying it and knowing that it comes from our fallen flesh, okay? Romans chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. A couple of points here on identifying it. We have, we, we have to know that anger is natural to the fallen human, human heart, right? So before we can rid ourselves of sinful anger, we must see it in us and admit it and not blame our personality or our parents or our upbringing for it. Now, they, those may have been factors that, that are triggers to, to, to maybe spur us on in the anger we already have, but we cannot blame that. The only thing we can blame is our fallen human heart who needs a redeemer. Okay, Genesis 6, 5, and there was only evil continually in their hearts Always. Jeremiah 17, 9, right? The heart is desperately sick. It's wicked. Who can understand it, right? So anger is natural to our fallen human 
heart. Also, we see anger always involves thoughts and intentions. Always. In other words, it begins in the mind. It's always a willful and deliberate choice. We can't just say, you push my button, there I go, that's it. No, it is a choice. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Why? For from it flows the springs or the issues of life. Watch over your heart diligently, Solomon tells us. Another, anger is caused by not being able to attain our selfish goals. We've already touched on this a little bit already. When, when something happens to block what we must have, and, and, and the word of Christ isn't richly dwelling within us, guys, we know it, anger is made ready to launch, right? Just makes us think of, of James 4, 1 to 2. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Anger is caused by not being able to attain our selfish goals. Next, anger never accomplishes God's righteous ends. Have you ever noticed that? That, that our anger never accomplishes anything worthwhile? <laughs> like, even if you happen to get that thing you desired through your anger, <laughs> it still doesn't accomplish God's righteousness, right? That, that, that's what James 1.20 says. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In Proverbs 11.23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Anger never accomplishes God's righteous ends. Next, anger involves a lack of self-control. If we struggle with our thoughts, we will struggle with our deeds, right? Um, we could go on the list here. Time management, money management, lust, you name it. Not controlling ourselves, which is a fruit of the Spirit, right? And instead of following our initial inclinations is a choice that becomes easier and easier to just have no self-control and just let it go. So anger does involve a lack, indeed, a lack of self-control. Next, anger is always accomplished by others' sins when it is tolerated. It's always accompanied by other sins. For example, critical spirit, withdrawing, gossip, slander, vengeance, unwholesome words in your mind or, or out loud, rejoicing in someone else's misfortune, self-pity, right? Well, Chris is just, he's just pouty. He's just having it. Yeah, anger's coming. <laughs> it's, it's flowing, right? Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man, what does he do? He stirs up strife and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgressions. In other words, to say, once that gets started, 
look out for that avalanche of all the other sins that are, gonna, that are going to be encompassed in anger. So it's always accompanied by other sins when it's tolerated. And lastly, anger will turn into something worse if not dealt with, right? It follows the progression of bitterness, stubbornness, hate, rebellion, even depression or, or, or suicidal tendency, tendencies. Just think of Saul, right? Um, just think of Ahithophel. Oh, you didn't receive my counsel, so I'm taking my life. Think of Judas, many others. So we've defined it and identified it by way of God's word, which is the authority over our lives. But now what I want us to do is examine it in our lives and be careful not to just to justify it or to rename it by saying things like, like, I'm just frustrated. I'm just frustrated. I'm just ticked. I'm just upset. I'm just irritated. I'm just stressed. You have to be careful not to justify it with those terms. Because when you start doing that, it'll get even more complex and more difficult than in your heart and mind to actually spot it and to say, this is unrighteous anger as I step back and I examine the situation I'm in or the conversation that I'm in. So we have to be very careful with that. So examination time, okay? And this is where it gets really fun. And this is hopefully where we can, can wake up even more, okay? We ought to always be praying the prayer of David in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Always be praying this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful or wicked way in me and then lead me in the everlasting way. Now, one helpful way we examine our hearts is by genuinely, honestly asking and answering some vital questions to ourselves, okay? Um, number one, is there anyone I'm presently angry, angry with? Honestly think that through. Is there anyone, and you could say any situation <laughs> that I'm angry about currently, presently, right now? Number two, what am I angry with them about? Or if it's a situation, what specifically is it that I'm angry about? Number three, how have I dealt with and responded to that person, that situation, currently or, or in the past. Number four, what do I typically do when I'm angry? Really think that through. What is it that I typically do? Even if it's on the more repressed side of things, of the slow burn, think through what your thought process is in the, those moments of number four, what you typically do when you're angry. Number five, what have been some results of my anger? What have been some of the results? Could be continued added sins like, 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 like we saw earlier, like bitterness or a critical spirit or whatever it may be. Number six, do others see me as critical or impatient? Ask a friend. 
ask your wife, ask someone, would you say that I am a critical or impatient person? Number seven, when were the last three times I've been angry? Really think that through. (laughs) You might have it in your prayer journal. I don't know. (laughs) With the date, I don't know. It's going to help, okay? When were the last three times I've been unrighteously angry? Number eight, what was my thinking at the time? You see how this takes a lot of brain sweat? (laughs) A lot of sweat to think through this. What was my thinking at the time? What kinds of things provoked me to anger? Write it out. Write it out. Confess it before the Lord. Let it be known. What kinds of things provoke me to anger? Number 10. How many angry situations are precipitated by something else I'm doing wrong or or falling short in and I'm aware of it? For example, my responsibilities, uh, my laziness, um, poor time uh, management or money management or my wrong treatment of others. It's going to stack up. It's going to add up. Think of things that are precipitating um, that unrighteous anger. Now, with those questions, those, that's sort of a warm-up of, of, of self-examination questions, we move to transformation. Okay? Um, and in this section, I want to explain real briefly. You have that, that other sheet. It should be a single a full page uh, sheet there. It says the personal practice of the process of change based on Ephesians 4 there. This is what we're going to do right now as far as from that examination to what does it look like as far as transformation in my life. What I want you to do is take that sheet and if you don't have a pen, we have some pens on the table. I can get you an extra one. But I want us to take... about five, six minutes just to get started on this sheet. So go ahead and start filling that out and then we'll talk about it.
about one more minute here and then it's okay if you're not done. Okay, I hate to hate to stop us here, but here's the thing. If it if it's not completed and I and I highly doubt that your sheet is is completed by now, but if it's not, this is our homework by 
to finish by the end of this day, okay? If you have a lunch break or after you tuck the kids in or this evening, <coughs> take the time to finish out the rest of this sheet. Why are we doing this? This is why. Because, dear, dear gentlemen, we need to stop entertaining this thinking. This is impossible. Or I'll never be able to change. Or I'll never be able to not be irritated by this. Or whatever it might be. We need to stop that thinking today. A couple of encouraging truths from God himself. I just want to read them rapid fire. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. That's joyful news. Because then look at what he says as far as continuing that, that idea of freedom, as far as sanctification goes in our lives. He says in the next, the very same breath, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We're being sanctified. How do we do that? Well, we have to keep our gaze fixed, steady upon Christ. As soon as we get our eyes off of Christ, as soon as we get our eyes off, that's where it takes the turn in the wrong direction. Fix your eyes on him. And in the midst of this transformation, I just have a couple more things there on your sheet here. As far as right thinking, being renewed in our mind by the, by the word of God and how, how we ought to rightly think, how we ought to even rightly pray in certain situations. Here's a couple of examples here. And these examples are from this book, uh, Anger, Anxiety, and Fear by, by Stuart Scott. You can also grab one of these as well. But this is what that's from. Thoughts that lead to anger. I can't believe she's running late again. I hate being late. I insist on being on time. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. Thoughts that lead to gentleness and patience. I don't like to be late, but love is patient. I will show love to her by being patient. How can I help her to be on time more for her good? Thank you, Lord, that she takes the time to look nice. It's, it's honest, right? We, right? We gotta, it's an important thing. When I get on time, he's, he's being honest. Thoughts that lead to anger. How dare she talks to me like that? I deserve more respect than that. I will not be treated this way. Thoughts that lead to gentleness and patience. I'm not going to let my pride flare up. Lord, you didn't sin when you were not respected. 1 Peter 2, 22 to 23. What is she trying to say? 
I want to kindly deal with her sin later. I'm thankful to be aware, made aware that I have done something wrong. Thoughts that lead to anger. Why can't the kids just do right and leave me alone? I'm tired and want to watch this TV show. They're going to get it. Thoughts that lead to gentleness and patience. Dealing with the children is my job as a parent, and it pleases you, Lord. I'm tired, but just give me the grace to help the children to learn. Thank you for them, Lord, and for the opportunity to teach them. Gentlemen, Psalm 37, verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. In Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. Listen, if the Apostle Paul can go from Saul to Paul because of the cross of Jesus Christ. If he can change one of the sons of thunder, the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John, sorry, and turn him into the Apostle of love, then guess what? He can change you and I. Continued, continued to make us more and more conformed to the likeness of his son as the dross of our sinful, angry hearts gets melted away more and more by his refinement in our lives, by the spirit of God, through the word of God, to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, by your grace and your word richly dwelling within us, uh, coupled with our sincere efforts, we'll be able to change. So, Lord, let us not grow weary in well-doing, and then we'll see the fruit of our, our efforts. And, Lord, if there's, if there's anything that we are valuing more than you, Jesus, whether it's a good image or a view of ourself or personal comfort and peace, Lord, reveal that to us so we can put off sinful anger, renew our minds with the truth of your grace and goodness, and, and to put on gentleness and patience and to be controlled by the love of Christ, all to the glory of your name. Thank you for these dear men. Thank you for their desire to serve you and honor you from their heart to their lips to their lives, Lord. <laughs> Help us do that by your spirit and your word swelling up within us. To the glory of your name, we pray these things. Amen.